Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I went to the restroom, came up, and I was real tired real tired of week I couldn't breathe I couldn't catch my breath and I was breathing real heavy so I knew something wasn't right so I asked I called my wife I told her I said babe can you call the ambulance something ain't right because I just wasn't able to catch my breath you know and I was breathing real heavy so that was real scary because I never felt like that before the ambulance came within a few minutes so automatically they assumed you know, because this is around the time when the COVID was real heavy. So they assumed it was COVID. So they initially put me on the ventilator. So they tested me, kind of find out the COVID tests were negative. You know, they took it like two or three times. I got to the hospital. They took my COVID test again, and everything came back negative. So kind of find out I had two massive blood clots, one over my heart, one over my lung. So the one that over my lung is the one that was causing the shortness of breath. So that's when I ended up having the stroke because they airlifted me from the local hospital to U of M. So I ended up getting airlifted on the helicopter and that's when I had my stroke. They told my wife and everything that they needed to start thinking of the end of life situations and everything, but they didn't think I was gonna make it. But the greatness of God, I'm still here. They took me to another hospital for the recovery process to start. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. The amount of damage caused by a stroke can vary significantly. If a stroke is large enough or if it affects a critical area, such as the brainstem, it can cause the patient to go into a coma. In this episode, we'll hear from Cam Watson from Canton in Michigan. Cam suffered a stroke at the age of 41. Me and my wife were married this year, we 13 years. We actually met at work. Within a couple of months, we got to talking, and then we ended up getting married six months after like two or three months of dating. We've been going strong ever since, so she's my backbone. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her and then family and everything. But a little bit of my work background, I actually work on a natural gas side. So I do all the, the digging and everything underground to repair the natural gas leaks and renew the gas services to houses and commercial buildings. You get custom to doing it with ease, but at the same time, every job is different. So you have to be locked in and Really pay attention to what you're doing because any given moment could cause a natural disaster. Like a week before I had it, I just wasn't feeling myself. You know, I was, I was going to work. 
Every day I just felt weak. After every time I walked, like a long distance, I was out of breath. So kind of find out, you know, I was still going to work feeling like this, you know, for a couple of days. And then one day I was at home and I had to go to the restroom. So I went to the restroom, came up, and I was real tired, real tired of week. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. And I was breathing real heavy. So I knew something wasn't right. So I asked, I called my wife. I told her, I said, babe, can you call the ambulance? Something ain't right. Because I just wasn't able to catch my breath, you know, and I was breathing real heavy. So that was real scary because I never felt like that before, you know. So come to find out the ambulance came within a few minutes. So automatically they assumed, you know, because this is around the time when COVID was real heavy. So they assumed it was COVID. So they initially put me on the ventilator. So they tested me. Kind of find out the COVID tests were negative. You know, they took it like two or three times. I got to the hospital. They took my COVID test again, and everything came back negative. So kind of find out I had two massive blood clots, one over my heart, one over my lung. So the one that over my lung is the one that was causing the shortness of breath. So that's when I ended up having the stroke because they airlifted me from the local hospital to U of M. So I ended up getting airlifted on the helicopter, and that's when I had my stroke. So when I got to U of M, my face was droopy. But at the same time, I never even knew that I had it because, you know, nothing changed for me. It just everything on my right side of my face was droopy. And then that's when everything changed for the worst. They kept me overnight, was taking tests, and then next thing you know, I guess I never woke up. I was in a coma for a couple of days. They told my wife and everything that they needed to start thinking of the end of life situations and everything, but they didn't think I was going to make it. But the greatness of God, I'm still here. They took me to another hospital for the recovery process to start. So at the end of July of last year, July 25th of last year is when I had the stroke. I didn't get out of the hospital come home until November 18th. So I was in the hospital that whole time. As a result of the stroke, Cam suffers from a condition called lockjaw. The stroke attacks your nervous system. So with my lockjaw on my right side, when I was doing the recovery, I was able to open my, you know, my jaw normal because they would brush my teeth, you know, in the hospital. But as time went on, it was getting worse and worse. I wasn't able to open it as much as I would in the beginning. So now it's like I pretty much started with only being able to open it a couple of centimeters. So now with the recovery and then working with therapists and doing different, you know, exercises and getting massaged once a week, I'm able to open it a little wider, but not as much. So now they're Want me to? They recommended me to a surgeon to get a second opinion and see what is if it's anything a surgeon could do to make it to where I could open my mouth as wide as I used to. But makes it real difficult to eat, you know, because trying to get you know food on the fork or the spoon, and then trying to keep your jaws open. So now I got to go through that process of getting a second opinion from a surgeon. They broke everything down into three different therapy sessions. 
So I had physical therapy, which is basically for my legs. And then I had occupational therapy. My left side was affected. My right face, and then my left side, like my limbs, my legs, and my arm on the left side was affected. So I have pretty much a lot of strength in my legs, but the small muscles is the ones that takes the longest to come back. So the bigger muscles is the ones that come back normally first. Majority of the time, the big muscles. The smaller muscles is the ones that take the longest. So my toes and my ankle, my wrists and my fingers, I have a little bit of movement in them, but not a lot. But I do have a lot in my legs, so I can pretty much, you know, from the waist down to my ankle, pretty much do what I normally do. It's just my legs aren't as strong on the left side as the right is, but I'm still able to do a lot more. And then with my left arm, from the shoulder down to the wrist, I have more movement in it than I do with the wrist of my fingers. It's going to take a little bit more time. And then, you know, the right side of my face is where it all started because I had bleeding in the brain, which also is a, like another cause of the stroke. They instantly put blood thinners in me to break up the blood clots. And then what that does is it makes your blood real thin, so it makes it run a whole lot more. But what caused the bleeding in the brain, I'm not sure. So they had to drain all the blood on my brain first before they could even start the whole recovery process. You know, if they couldn't get that bleeding out, that was going to be pretty much the end of me. Coming up, Cam on reaching out to other stroke survivors. Seen a few people on Instagram that I follow. So just being able to see that there's other people that's kind of like in the same similar situation to be able to support because everybody, you can't talk to everybody that hasn't been through what you've been through, you know, to support you because they don't know what you're going through. So it's like you have to be able to talk to somebody that has been through what you've been through. And what your loved ones can do to help. So the ones who haven't been through what I've been through, just support the, the people that you know that have been through it. Because it's a, it takes a toll on the person mentally and physically. You don't know what that person is feeling at the time. And then having to exhaust everything physically it takes a toll on some people mentally. So all I say is just be there for support. That's all I ask. Let's hear how Cam adjusted to returning home. I was excited. Well, you know, just being in the hospital for all those months, you know, you get tired of looking at the same four walls every day. You get up, you go to therapies. I was in therapies every day except for the weekend. From like 9 o'clock in the morning, until 3 o'clock, I was in therapies all day. You know, they were just rotating which therapies I was doing. So every day I was getting therapy, which was good because it kept you going. It kept you working with your muscles that you haven't used from the stroke, strengthening them. I come from a sports background. So muscle memory is everything to me. And that's what helped, you know, speed up the process 
for me because it was just like going through playing sports all over again, lifting weights and stuff like that because your body responds to muscle memory. Being able to come home was the ultimate goal for me when I was in there. Wanted to get home to my wife and everything, see family. It was the greatest feeling in the world to be able to come home, relax, see my wife every day, wake mm-hmm. up to her, be in the comfort of my own home. You just feel more at ease so close to have to deal with doctors and nurses all day. You're in there 24-7. They were taking shifts a day. You, every 8 to 10 hours, you seeing different people every day. And they wasn't going to release me if they didn't see any progress. And that's the only thing about, you know, being in the hospital with any type of therapies. They're not going to release you if they don't see any progress. They're going to send you to another facility for more therapy. It could be a subcute facility to where you don't see family at all because of COVID, like a retirement home or something. So I made it my point to make sure that I continue to progress to be able to come home. I was actually going to an outpatient rehab facility. Mm-hmm. I just got discharged from there because with my insurance, they will only cover so much. I just got discharged. So I'm still doing a little bit of stuff at home that I can do that they taught me to do, for, you know, every day when I'm not there. So, you know, you just have to be disciplined to be able to, you know, to keep doing stuff on your own. Cam thinks it is important to share your experiences. I've seen a few people on the Instagram that I follow. So just being able to see that there's other people that's kind of like in the same similar situation to be able to support because everybody, you can't talk to everybody that hasn't been through what you've been through, you know, to support you because they don't know what you're going through. So it's like you have to be able to talk to somebody that has been through what you've been through. You know, I've been so much trying to help my wife around the house, you know, also with not being able to go to work like I used to. Been trying to help support her since she's been supporting me through the whole thing. So I've been trying to, you know, focus on that. But I will take time out to reach out for the support and also to support them as well. To the actual stroke survivor, the advice I would give to them is to continue to push forward. You know, just get tunnel vision. And do what you have to do to get better. And listen to the people that's trying to help you get better. Because they're the ones who have your best interests at heart. Your therapists, your doctors, you know, just continue to push forward. If they say do something, just do it. At the same time, you have to take risk. Like, I take risk here at home all the time. Doing stuff outside of what they teach me in therapy. I try to push my body a little further. If I feel comfortable with trying something new that I think will help, by all means, I do it. And then then I tell my therapist that I've done it. Or they, you know, they tell me either don't do that or that was a great idea to keep trying to do it, you know. So the ones who haven't been through what I've been through, just support the, the people that you know that have been through it. Because it's a, it takes a toll of a person 
mentally and physically. You don't know what that person is feeling at the time. And then having to exhaust everything physically is takes a toll on some people mentally. So all I say is just be there for support. That's all I ask. Cam has taken an incredibly positive approach to his stroke. He was determined to make significant progress while in rehab, and now he's home, he continues to push himself to get better. Thanks for subscribing to Stroke Stories. Please do rate and comment. That helps us spread the word. And if you are, or you know of, a stroke survivor, and there's a story you can share, please do. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.